What would be five things you might own or do that would have exponential return on investment in an effort to run a profitable ranch? Maybe it's a tool, a piece of equipment, or a management practice. What would be on that list? You're talking a total investment there, probably $100. You know, I bet the first time you use it, you'll pick up $1,000. Find out what that $100 investment is that will return $1,000. As Dallas Mount, CEO of Ranch Management Consultants, and myself sit down, we compare our list of these five things and discuss why we feel they are important on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome back again to another edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and I'm glad to have you here along with us today. If you're listening on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM, thanks for joining us as you find us right here every Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern. Or if you're listening through your podcast provider, we appreciate you tuning in that way as well. Now, for those of you that have not tried the podcast thing, it's an easy way to go back and uh, listen to a show that you've heard, want to replay it, or you want to go back and listen to old episodes as well. And by the way, today is episode 41. Well, this time of the year, it's fall. And uh, one of the things I have heard over and over here for the last week or so is how people enjoy this time of the year. And I do too. I mean, partly because I really don't like it when it's hot, hot in the middle of the summer. And it's hard to get a lot of things done. Running machinery, it's hard on machinery. And it's just, it's just not fun to be outside when it's so blasted hot as we experienced this last summer. So I, uh, I too, I enjoy the fall time of the year and I hope for you all that you're getting a lot of your fall work done. I know here on the X-Ring Ranch in Northeast Wyoming, we have a couple big projects to get done. We need to get a, a pipeline finished up and installed and of course all the fall work with our cattle and, and everything that is just part of every year's activities this time of the year. So I wish to all of you, you're getting your fall work done and I hope we can get ours done as well and it sounds like the weather's going to stay fairly decent so that we can get a lot of work done on our show today i'm excited to have this program because it's something that i have uh kind of tossed back and forth in my head as far as how we can sit down with someone and just kind of compare some notes on things that we think are helpful in our efforts as ranchers to be profitable so dallas mount ceo of ranch management consultants will be joining me today as we are going to compare our list of five things that we think are helpful in a ranch operation to be profitable and i'll tell you what our lists are completely different so you're actually going to get 10 different items so here today with that so be sure to join us uh, as we come start into that in our next segment also captain tim O'Byrne will be by with this week's edition of tim's two cents and in our last segment today we'll have a look at our long-term weather with meteorologist don day a thank you to our sponsors of the working ranch radio show the american simmental association and there was a survey done a while back that showed a growth in the different breeds of bulls sourced by commercial producers it was between the years of 2014 and 2020 and did you know that the largest growth in bull breed type during that time 
was bulls with Simmental genetics. Yeah, heterosis works, which is why with Simmental, it's more per head, period. Find out more at Simmental.org. Biozyme, keep them on your program with ours. Gain smart by Biozyme. Performance Beef, find Performance Beef online to learn more and request a demo. And finally, Hargrove Ranch Insurance, providing pasture, range, and forage insurance to ranchers across the nation. Give them a call at 325-573-8975 for a free custom quote from Hargrove Ranch Insurance. Check them out online at hargroveinsurance.com. Well, let's check in now with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Cow Country. Justin, there's been some concerns floating around social media over a fee or a tax on a per animal basis for agricultural methane emissions tied to President Biden's $3.5 trillion Build Back Better bill. Uh, I want you guys to know I'm getting to the bottom of this issue. You're going to find most of what we're talking about here on on the EPA website. It's the U.S. Code of Federal Regulations, Part 40. Four zero, chapter one, subchapter C, Charlie, part ninety-eight, and subpart W. All right, that's where you can find it. And at this point, I'm fairly optimistic there won't be any truth to these concerns, uh, but I, I I don't know for sure. And uh, I I believe my sources are telling me that it only applies to the petroleum and natural gas industries. Okay. But um, I want you guys to stay tuned. I'm digging like a hungry badger here. And um, in the meantime, back to Justin and his terrific radio show right here on Sirius XM Channel 147 Rural Radio. All right. Well, thanks, Captain, for the heads up on that issue and for continuing to monitor that. And not wanting to necessarily toot our own horn here, but that that's really what our purpose is here at Working Ranch Radio Show and at the Working Ranch Magazine is to be the ones to keep our eyes and our ears open about news and information and, and stuff that is relevant to your ranching operation. And between all of the writers and the captain, who is the publisher and editor, and myself here on the Working Ranch Radio Show, we hope that we are that source for you and that we are a reliable source of information for your ranching operations. So stay with us when we come back. We're going to get into our list of five items of things that we think are efficient and profitable for your operation. Dallas Mount will be my guest on that. And in our last segment, meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. We'll be back after this. It's a competitive calf market, and buyers want calves that will perform, period. And a proven solution is Simmental. In fact, data from the Tri-County Steer Carcass Fertility from 2002 through 2018 on nearly 60,000 head of calves revealed that Simmental sired calves represented the highest carcass-valued sired group over English and other continental breed groups. And the sire group that was the second highest carcass value was Simangus sire. So... The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and our featured interview today is brought to you by Biozyme. Keep them on your program with ours. Gain smart by Biozyme. 
Well, as I introed in our at the beginning of our program, our featured interview today is about five things uh, that I, you had put on a list that would help in terms of efficiency or profitability on a ranch. They may include pieces of equipment, they may be tools or management practices. And so my guest today is Dallas Mount, who's the CEO of Ranch Management Consultants. Also, uh, Ranch Management Consultants is, if you've ever heard of the Ranching for Profit Schools, well, that's the same outfit all in one there. And so, Dallas, I'm glad to have you here along with us today as we compare our notes on these five things. You bet, Justin. I'm glad to be here. Excited for this topic. Well, we've got uh, between the both of us, and I don't know, and, and I want to share with everyone that you and I have not, we've, we've not shared our list with each other. And you can confirm that, right? That's correct. I don't know what you're going to say, and you don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. So so we're going to start here, and, and I'm really not going to go necessarily in any particular order. If you do with yours, that's fine. Uh, and, and we'll start, we'll go through ours, and we'll just kind of work back and forth through our list here a little bit of going through things throughout our show here today. So what's the first item you want to start with here today? Okay. So I, I guess I want to I give a little bit of a preamble to to my list because I I think my list is probably not going to be what most people are expecting uh, in terms of uh, you know five tools equipment things for the ranch for for profitability um, as I look at ranches and I get I get to work with ranches all over the U S some Canada some in Mexico uh, you know it it's not the tools and equipment and things they have that separate the profitable ranches from the others and in fact I think you could almost argue the ranches with more tools, equipment, and things oftentimes are less profitable than the ranches with fewer stuff to run cows, mm-hmm. right? So um, I, I've, I think it's important to note that profitability for a ranch does not come in the form of a bag or a bottle or a bale or a bucket, right? I, I think it comes from what's between your ears and, and the way you run the business. So um, so here we go. Uh, my first thing, the, mo- right. the most important tool, to, uh, I think, to have on a ranch to affect profitability is a flip chart, an easel, and some markers. Okay. <laughs> flip okay. chart, easel, so, and some markers. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, so and you're going so to have to explain. total... All right, you're talking a total investment there of probably a hundred dollars, right? And the reason I think that's important is that's a planning tool for you to sit down and figure out, okay, first of all, what what is my economic plan for a profit, right? And and the reason I want it done on a flip chart and easel and markers is I assume there's other people involved in your business than just you. And and when you start putting this up in front of them and doing it together, you're going to come up with a much better plan than if you're sitting down at your computer punching numbers with without having thought and energy and ideas coming into it. Mm-hmm. So you take this flip chart, this easel and these markers and you write questions on there like, why do we ranch? Right. And then come up with ideas of what we want our ranch to be. Um, you know, once you figure in, you have some some energy moving that direction, then write it up. So how are we going to make this profitable? Right. And then you start coming up with, OK, we're going to if we're going to run cows, um, how many cows do we need to cover our overheads and meet our profit target? Uh, what are going to be the direct cost of running these cows? Right. And you start putting these things up using this flip chart, this easel and these markers. And and then you start to come to that plan. And then, and then for the more daily and weekly things, it's the, it's the weekly team meetings. It's the, uh, you know, three times a year strategy sessions with, with your family, with your team. Uh, so, so there you go. Mm-hmm. It might be kind of a contrary uh, tool, but flip chart, easel and markers. All right. So flip chart and easel, 
easel and some markers, $100 investment right there. <laughs> Are you going to guarantee a return? Are you going to guarantee me a return on that investment? You know, I bet the first time you'll use it, you'll pick up a thousand dollars of value, right? There. <laughs> okay, uh, so All that's right. a that's a thousand percent return. Okay, there you go. All right, well, that's a pretty good start, right there. Okay, I'm going to go with my first thing, and again, uh, mine mine are not in more in any particular order, and I'm probably going to be pushing more towards uh, some some physical things. I do have one one of mine that's more of a management practice, but uh, again, in no particular order, and I'm just going to throw this one out there first, and that is uh, a set of scales, and and I realize and i want to preface my some of my stuff here too in the fact that uh not 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 everything that that i'm going to suggest or, or is is you know you know the golden ticket by any means and certain size operations uh maybe some of these things don't don't uh you don't run enough cattle to to justify this but a set of scales was something that um you know several years ago i was uh, touring through up in montana on some ranch tours and and uh, they were talking about the price of scales versus you know how many cattle you'd have to run to justify and pay for them and it's one of the things you know as we just come off this last week in ourselves preconditioning calves and getting a weight on these calves the fact that we could weigh these calves right there at the ranch and and not have to haul them anywhere and, and shrink and then of course when you're selling and every you know they say one percent shrink on every hour them cattle are held in a, in a corral and so that's that was something a set of scales that I guess for me uh, I feel and it may not be applicable to every ranching outfit out there but I I felt a set of scales uh, if you're a certain volume type rancher would really pay for themselves what have you seen Dallas I, I agree yeah I, I've seen it time and again where somebody that's that's selling animals uh, you know and, and and of course these are probably going to be your larger scale ranches yeah. that are selling commodity type uh, you know can, potloads of calves uh, when they're able to to weigh those themselves and control that shrink a bit it uh it can really pay dividends and you know some of those things can return in in a year or two the the total investment value in that piece of equipment mm-hmm. and sometimes if you're if you're smaller maybe it's a set of scales in your alley or in your chute too now again that's i sometimes i get a little bit on the line on that between how much you're putting into a you know fifteen thousand dollar head uh, working shoot when you're running 40 head of cattle you know i don't know if that's quite a good investment or not <laughs> so so uh, there are ways uh different ways to skin that cat with when it comes to scales but that's something i guess was i wanted to start off with here today and again that might be just applicable to certain size outfits but it is something that that can return a lot of money back in the pocket if you can even one percent shrink that you can put back in your pocket versus sending down the road to somebody else so that was my that was my first item we'll go to your second item now dallas and what do you have up all right uh number two for me polywire reel and step in posts okay so I, I think if somebody's going to learn to get good at their grazing, uh, it's going to return enormous value. And mm-hmm. and the polywire um, and having animals that are trained to that, uh, being able to you know having a, having a setup to use that uh, can can really help somebody hit the gas on their grazing. I, you know, just like what you said on the scales, this is, isn't going to work for everybody, right? Somebody running in really big country where you, you know they're you're talking about running polywire for multiple miles. Uh, polywire is probably not the practical. approach approach there but uh for most people you're going to find some really good uses for polywire even if you run in big country you've got some more productive country in there right mm-hmm. and it, it might mm-hmm. lend itself uh to being divided up a bit more and, and intensify the grazing so um when you look at polywire real step in posts uh, you know just for that you're probably talking two hundred dollars for a uh 
for, for a, a single good quarter mile reel on, on geared reel with enough post to run them. Uh, I would expect that to pay for itself in the first month that mm-hmm. you've got it under use. Right. So, so the return on investment again is going to be, uh, you know, exceed a hundred percent in the first year on, on those kind of things. And I, I don't know how I could ranch without polywire and reels now. I, maybe you're going to take away my <laughs> cowboy merit badge for saying that, but uh, I think that's a, that's a needed tool. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I didn't, I had six items written down here and, and that was actually electric fence investment was, was one of my, was my sixth item. Uh, back to that real quick. And I'm not asking for your necessary endorsement on certain brands, but is there certain types or things like that, that you would recommend on this polywire, the reel and the step-in posts? Absolutely. And and there's people out there that are good grazers that are going to be able to tell you their favorite kind. And, and you know, you're going to get six different opinions on that. The thing I would caution you against is don't go down to your local farm and home <laughs> shop and yeah. buy whatever's sitting on the shelf. There, There's yeah. a lot of junk that's for sale out there. Mm-hmm. And if you use the junk, um, you know, I mean, and a lot of this stuff is the really cheap stuff that's sold to people with two cows in their backyard. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's their target market. But you, you don't want to buy that that stuff. So uh, stay away from the garbage. Uh, use the stuff that's made for professional grazers, and uh, you're you're really going to be happy. And, and you're going to find, you know, hey, I like this brand better than that brand. And you know, I, I know for me at home, I've probably got four different brands laying in the pile. Uh, but there's two that I always, almost always reach for, yeah. um, and they're they're just my favorite ones. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to move on to my number two item now. And uh, I, this is going to be, I know you don't have this one, but uh, this is something, and, and I grew up with, with one of these, and, and, I, and I realized, too, that it's not going to fit everyone, but for those that can do this, is having a good dog. And I will tell you, for me, uh, I don't, I mean, I've got my nephew that works for me, and then my, my kids that help off and on, and, uh, and, and it's about labor, saving labor, and a good dog if you know how to run a good dog, you have a good dog, can save a lot of steps, a lot of time. And I mean, for uh, for me, I can go out myself on horseback with a good dog. We can move 300, set of, uh, 300 head of pairs and get the job done. And so to me, a good dog, trained right, obedient. And I, and I will tell you, I will be the first one to say, if that dog doesn't work right, do not bring it on the place. So a dog to me is is a huge uh, asset on my operation, and I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Dallas. You know, as I was thinking about this, it just about made my list, and I was I was near writing it down, but uh, I, I didn't because I had other things that I thought rose up. But um, I, when you started saying that, I thought you were going to say, you know, I've got my kid and my nephew, and I'd take my dog over any of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, some some days on the kid, I can you know, I'm not just kidding. <laughs> nephew's pretty good help. All right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah. I, I can appreciate where you're coming from on that. Well, I just, and, and I've seen dogs cause a lot of wrecks, um, but a dog handled right and a person that knows how to handle a dog can get an awful lot done. And they've also saved me from an awful lot of wrecks as well. Well, let's take a break here. Dallas Mount, CEO of Ranch Management Consultants, is my guest today as we are going through each of our lists of five things that we think would help in ranching uh, with uh, on an operation for efficiency and profitability. We have both went through our first two items. We're going to continue on with our list when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. 
It's weaning time, one of the biggest days of the year for you and the most stressful for your calves. Ensure a smooth transition with the VitaCharge Weaning Program. This two-step program with the AmmaFirm Advantage gives calves the nutritional boost they need to get through the first weeks of weaning, accelerate appetite, increase weight gain, and improve health. It's weaning time. Get them ready with VitaCharge. For more information, visit VitaFirm.com forward slash Vita dash charge. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And if you're just joining us now, my guest today is Dallas Mount, who's with Ranch Management Consultants. And he and I are comparing our lists of five things that we think would help a ranch be more efficient, more effective in what they're doing overall in the long run to be a profitable business that's really what we're doing this uh, to do in the long run and so that's that's kind of some of the criteria some of these items could be tools equipment management practices and and if you uh, like i said if you're just joining us now i would encourage you to go to any podcast provider out there and you can go back and listen to our first two items that dallas gave and what i gave this is episode 41 by the way if you're going to go back and listen on a podcast but we've got a lot to cover so we're going to keep moving here and Dallas, I'll uh, turn it back to you. What is item number three on your list? Okay, the portable water system. Okay. Uh, so I've, I've been seeing more and more of these lately that are kind of rancher engineered and <laughs> yeah. really seeing some cool ones out mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so this would be a water system that you could take to an existing well. Maybe it's got solar panels on it. Maybe it's got a low flow uh, pump or, and, and you can park it there and you can create large volumes of water available, uh, in that pasture. Right. Yeah, so, yep. so some of the ones I've been seeing lately are, you know, a, a, a nice flatbed trailer with, um, you know, maybe 3000 gallons of, of storage capacity on that or, or with tanks that can easily be put on there and set back on the ground. And then they usually have some kind of easy to unload drinkers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that you can plop off or sometimes the drinkers are built as part of the trailer. Um, so there's some, some really awesome systems that people are designing and building out there. Um, most of them have some kind of a remote, remote monitoring. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a camera that you can look at on your cell phone. Um, you know, so, so you can be at the house 30 miles away and pop it up and say, yep, the thing's full. Um, you know, but I, I just see that really opens the doors to, to pick up maybe some undesirable leases, uh, that, that aren't, properly watered uh or maybe that's uh, opens the door for you to take uh, your property that that might not be uh adequately watered in terms of supply recharge rate and and group some cattle together uh running larger herds uh, mm-hmm. you know lengthening the rest period shortening the graze period uh sometimes those kind of things can allow us to drastically increase our stocking rate maybe it's only 20 percent increase but when you look at that 20% increase against the overheads of the ranch, uh, that can be the difference between supporting another family member or not. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, again, I'm, I'm looking for things that provide a, a really high return uh, in fairly short order that, that make these ranches really economically turn in the crank. You bet. And I would agree with you on the, on the portable water system. In fact, that's when I'm done talking to you, what I'm going to do is I'm going to another place. We have a portable drinker there that holds about 2000 gallons above the ground and it's kind of set up like a chicken water. In fact, I, I uh, bought it from some folks over by Hermosa, South Dakota, that build that fabricate these. And, uh, and I, and I, in fact, I'll post a picture on my Facebook page for people that want to see what that, what the one I have is, but it's, I can pick it up with my bail bed and, and move it. And I'll tell you, I wish I had about two more of them. 
uh, they are so handy. So I would absolutely agree that the ability, and I think it goes back to what you were talking, what we were, what, what we were talking about is having that good water system uh, for your paddocks. Um, when you, when you, and you mentioned it just there as well, the fact that you may not have your water system completely put together, but these portable drinkers would allow you to uh, take advantage of those of those paddocks, and so I, I would agree with you on the portable water system. I think that's a that's a good that's a very good investment for sure. Dallas, what do you know? Like when we when we get back to the the idea that maybe I don't have my water system fully developed, I don't have pipe in the ground. What about running pipe on the ground? What's what have you seen with that? Yeah, yeah, I I, I like it. Um, you know, you're going to have depending on the parts of the country you're in, you might have some heat issues to deal with there. Uh, so running it on the ground to a, um, a storage it helps with that. Um, th- so there's there's pros and cons to it. Mm-hmm. What I like, what I often see is people run it on the ground as a place to to get started, right? Sure, and sure. hey, I, I'm not 100 percent sure this is where I want my water, um, but I can go ahead and buy. You know, let's say we, we decided we need to put in a two inch pipe. We can go ahead and buy that two inch pipe, lay it on the ground put a portable water there and and then just see is this the right spot and then when we we go yep this is the spot then we then we bury that pipe mm-hmm. and maybe it's not a deep bury maybe it's just a shallow bury but I, I i generally see that as kind of a bridge to whatever's going to be more permanent for that place mm-hmm. one of the things is as they're designing that uh that portable system um a lot of those have storage capacity. So do you find you can get by with a little bit smaller diameter pipe because you have the storage capacity or what should we be looking at for diameter of pipe in that? You know, I get pretty nervous when people start wanting to shrink the diameter of the pipe, uh, especially when you're putting it in the ground. Uh, I I always tell people if you're going to engineer it for, uh, you know, okay, I think I'm going to need 400 cows here, right? And you can go visit with an RCS and they're going to come back and tell you, well, uh, inch and a half pipe is going to work. I'm going to tell you, put in a two inch Mm -hmm. yeah, because you're you're probably going to get better at your grazing. And this 400 cow deal might be 600 cows or heck might one year, one year you might just want to graze for five months out of the year and so maybe you want to bring in 800 cows, right? So, so you're going to be dang glad you got two mm-hmm. inch in the ground um, rather than, than trying to skimp by on, on a pipe that's too small for the, the number of animals. Time and time again, we have clients who have put in a system that was engineered for their current carrying capacity. And then when they get better at their grazing and they increase that carrying capacity, they're having to go back in and redevelop those water systems, which is enormously expensive. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. Good one. So a portable water system was your third item. Okay. I'm going to go to my third item and this is going to be a practice. This is one of the, of the five things that I come up with and that's, uh, this is stockmanship. And I, I, like I was telling you, I had kind of had to cheat. I was, we were preconditioned in our calves this last Saturday and I had a neighbor, Curtis Rankin helping me. And he, he's, uh, he actually has a set of scales that we, that we can bring on the place here to weigh these calves. And, um, and I was throwing it out to him. And, and of course he just, he rattled off about five things in a hurry. And, and this was one thing that, uh, he, that, and I believe too, I think good stockmanship and handling your cattle, keeping them, uh, keeping them, uh, in the right mind, uh, can be, uh, it's, it's some of those, it's some of those hidden advantages in, in your income that you're, that you're, you're not going to see until down the road and know that, uh, you know the keeping these cattle in the good frame of mind working these cattle right 
will allow you to uh, put, you know, really puts money back in your pocket down the road and, and keep some gaining, uh, whether it's moving them from pasture to pasture uh, in the summertime or whether it's the point of where you're bringing them into the corrals and working them through the corrals, it's keeping them cattle in a frame of mind to where they're not so stressed out that you have death loss or sicknesses in your cattle. And so stockmanship is my third item, Dallas. What do you, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, I love it. I, that's great. And I, I appreciate you bringing Curtis into this and need what a, I mean, that guy is one of the smartest guys I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if he's going to say it, I'm going to double down on it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, you're spot on. Uh, the, the interesting thing is as a whole among ranchers, I think we tend to overestimate our stockmanship abilities, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I think people think, well, heck, I've been doing this for 20 years, 30 years. I've been, you know, my family's been doing it forever. I, I think I'm pretty good at what I do in terms of a stockmanship. Uh, and and when you, as you start learning in this area and being around people that are really skilled in this, at least for me, I've I've come to realize how how little I actually do know about yeah, this yeah. and how how much room there is for improvement. So, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you think you're pretty handy, uh, uh, I want to challenge you on that. Right? There's there, there's yeah. room for all of us to improve. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dallas, let's take another break here. When we come back, we're going to continue with our list. Dallas Mount is my guest today with Ranch Management Consultants. Each of us have two more items to get to on our list. We'll get to those when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Animal health is key to your business. So how do you track cattle health treatments? Well, stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Performance Beef helps you record processing data, enter costs, and track animal health history all in real time at the shoot. The mobile app also makes it easy to log pasture and pen treatments on the go. Your health data is integrated with feed and financial information in one easy-to-use platform, accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. We're glad to have you here along for our program today. If you're just joining us, my guest is Dallas Mount, CEO for Ranch Management Consultants, and we have been going through each of our lists of five things. I Basically, I sent uh, Dallas an email and said, here's the criteria. We want five things on a list that can help a ranch in being profitable and being more efficient uh, in the long run. And so that was kind of the criteria. And as you've heard up till now, we have had a very different list between the three items that we have both shared up till now. And that continues. And Dallas, I'm going to go back to you. What is your fourth item on your list here today? Okay, I, I have a land health monitoring kit. Okay. okay. So so you when you talk about uh, looking at the health of the land, you're going to probably have some transects out there. There's a million and one ways to do this, right? But but some way to monitor and record the health of your grazing resource. Okay. So the reason I think this is such a high value item in a ranch is this is going to be it, using this well and communicating the results of this well are probably going to be the difference between you picking up that lease or not. Mm-hmm. Or you losing that lease to somebody that's that's doing a better job than you, um, or even recognizing it on your own place, right? What am am I improving the health of my land, or am I not improving the health of that land? So so let's say you got two people wanting to 
rent your ranch. Uh, one person rolls up and jumps out of the pickup and says, Hey, I, I want to lease it from you. And, and I've always done a good job and by gosh, we never overgraze. Right. And, and the next person rolls up and says, you know what, let me show you a portfolio I've put together or the last ranch that I leased. And here's what it looked like five years ago when we first got the lease of it, we started grazing. This is what the, the cover of perennial plants were. This is what the weed problems were. They were battling. And, and here are the photographs of those same sites five years later after we've been leasing it. And these are the results we've been able to achieve on that ranch. And, and I'd like, really like to get a lease on your ranch. And, and I think we can get some of these same results. And every year, every two, every three years, I'm going to put together a packet that reports to you on the kind of results that we're having on your ranch. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, this is the, the type of professionalism in, in ranch management uh, that we really need rather than just rolling up and jumping out of the pickup and saying, Hey, lease it to me. Cause we never overgrade mm -hmm. And so there you go. You're, you're making me a little uncomfortable there, Dallas, because it's <laughs> it, it, not in a bad way. And just like, oh, you're right. You know, and, and because I, from my own experience, I, I've, I've known, I mean, I had a goal of where I wanted to be at certain amount of acres that I wanted leased by a certain date. And, and a lot of my concern with that is, is I got to be able to prove to these guys that I'm going to make uh, an improvement on their operation. And I think what you're saying there's, you know, this is that, that method, that way of doing that and having confidence. And I guess the next step is having confidence. And when I go in and I, and I sit down and I talk with somebody about leasing their place that I know I can deliver on, on what I'm saying, instead of just kind of shooting a bunch of hot air out there and hoping that I get a little moisture to cover my, my hind end for bad management practices. Yeah, you got it. And so, I mean, what are, what are the ways of separating yourself from all the other people out there wanting to lease that property so that so that when it does come up for lease or the next one comes up for lease, you, you're the first name they think about. And I, I think having some good documented evidence is, mm -hmm. is one of the ways to separate yourself. Okay. All right. Here, I'm going to go to my number four item, and that is a good set of working facilities. And that would be, uh, you know, your corrals uh, all the way into a alley, a bud box and 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 those kinds of things that allow you when you decide when you get because everybody's got to work these cattle whether they work them once or twice a year or maybe some people work them more than that but every time you work them there's a lot of efficiency lost if you have poor facilities and there's a lot of time and efficiency gained when you have facilities that work really well and you can work cattle through keep them keep the stress down in them uh and so t uh, working facilities a good bud box um an alley and uh, I think goes an awful long ways. I appreciate that. That one just about made my list as well. So I, we're on we're on a similar wavelength on that one, Justin. Well, and, and I think too, you know, for, for to give people some some guidance on what to do. There there's some whether it's uh, uh, universities. Uh, I know I've got it. In fact, right on tape to my desk, I'm looking at it right now. I have a thing a deal here that tells me as I'm building facilities how wide things need to be or how big corrals need to be based upon the amount of cattle you're going to be working on that those kinds of resources are out there there's a lot of uh different things you can research on the internet to help you in designing corrals and designing uh i mean even if your corrals are, are a little bit sketchy but you have a good working alley and a bud box down into your into your squeeze chute that in itself is is a good investment right there yep you got it 
All right. Let's take another break here. And when we come back, we're going to continue with Dallas Mount with Ranch Management Consultants as we get to our last items on each of our list of five things that we think would help a ranch in their effort to be more efficient and more profitable. We'll get to that number one item on each of our lists when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Coming to the Las Vegas Convention Center, December 8th, 9th, and 10th, it's the Working Ranch Expo, brought to you by Working Ranch Magazine. It's thousands of feet of space filled with the ranch industry's leading equipment manufacturers and suppliers, plus great speakers that will inspire and educate you. And we're in the hall just across from Cowboy Christmas. Register to attend at WorkingRanchExpo.com. It's Working Ranch Expo by day, NFR by night. We'll see you at the Expo. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and my guest today is Dallas Mount with Ranch Management Consultants. And if you're just joining us here on our program, we have been going back and forth over each of our list of five items that we both came up with independently, and we didn't talk about this before we started uh, talking here today, of things that we think would help a ranch in being efficient and profitable. And uh, by the way, if if you are just tuning in now, you can go back and listen on any podcast provider. This is episode 41. So even if you're listening here and you want to go back and listen, look for episode 41. But we are now on to our final items for each of us. And Dallas, I'm going to turn it over to you to get to your last item on your list. All right. I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of liberties here okay. before I go to this one. And, <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, so, so when we made this list, right, tools, equipment, yep. things, uh, you know, I, I started getting pretty negative on this because I, I see all the things that we, that we tell ourselves the story around to justify uh, that we need for the ranch. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to give people a little bit of uh, maybe a, 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 what's the right word, like a blackboard or a, a guidepost to throw these things up against, right? Okay. That they're yep. going to, at the end of the year, when, when you're sitting on some money and you, and you don't want to pay the tax, man, you know, where, where are you going to stick that money? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and first of all, it might be best to just turn it and keep it as cash. But, but if, if you're determined, you want to stick it somewhere. Okay. So, so here, here's an example of a pickup. Okay. If, if you're looking at a, even a five-year-old pickup now is $50,000. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So a $50,000 pickup, you, you own it, you run it on the ranch for five years and you're going to sell it. I bet you your repairs and depreciation are going to come in around $5,000 a year on that pickup when you figure out what it actually costs you to own it. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, so if you'd agree with me, that's a reasonable number, $5,000 a year on the pickup. Okay. Now, now we, we've got some numbers that, that we look at in terms of what, what do profitable ranches do? And, and one of the numbers that I've came to over time is a profitable ranch is going to spend no more than about $50 per cow per year on equipment repairs and depreciation. Okay. $50 okay. per cow per year. Okay. All right. So let me ask you this question. Okay. $5,000 pickup. How many cows does it take to support that? If you're going to run that budget of $50 per cow per year, you want to be a profitable ranch. How many cows does it take just to support the pickup? 100 head. 100 head of cows. Mm-hmm. So you start looking at ranches that have 200, 300 head of cows 
and they've got a couple of pickups, a mm -hmm. couple of stock trailers. There's a tractor. There's a skid steer. There's a, a you know backhoe for dealing. With the, right, the list goes on and on and on. And pretty soon, it doesn't take very long when you look at that ranch and look at the total equipment repairs and depreciation. It, there's ranches out there that it's three hundred dollars per cow per mm -hmm. year just to cover the repairs and depreciation on all the stuff that we think we need to ranch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, so I just, I just want to challenge people there. There's a quote that we use in the school that said, uh, you know, if, if, if you want to ranch, the only equipment you need is a wheelbarrow. And that's if you're crazy about equipment. Okay. <laughs> now, yeah. now, now that well. quote obviously overstates it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I think the point is true, right? Mm -hmm. And there's another quote that says ranching is a really simple business. The problem is keeping it simple. Yeah. Okay. So, so we need to challenge ourselves about how can we let the let this business let these animals do the things that they do without us getting in the way of it. Right. Mm -hmm. How do we how do we keep them grazing? How do we keep them you know doing those things well? So so anyway, okay. Off off my soapbox. Okay. Here, here's, the, <laughs> okay. here's the last thing. Okay. All right. Uh, five tools, equipment, things. I'm going to take a little bit of liberties like you did and and come to a a philosophy or a concept. And the and the last one is uh, investing in ourselves. Okay. I, I think if, if you want to spend some money to make the ranch more profitable, the best place to spend that is is on the management, right? If, if you look at what we actually are in this business, so most of us are, any ranch that's of scale is going to be a multi-million dollar asset, right? So, mm -hmm. so you're the CEO of a multi-million dollar asset. Okay, so now, now as the CEO, if I were on your on your board of directors, and you're answering to me, and I said, um, you know, rancher, what is your professional improvement plan for this coming year? Okay, most of the ranchers are going to answer, well, you know, the uh, such and such doing a meal in town where it's uh, you, you go and you listen to their spiel and you get a free steak, feed, mm -hmm, right? And mm -hmm. that, and that that's pretty much the entirety of my professional improvement program. Okay, so so if the CEO of your multi-million dollar business that you're on the board with said they have no professional improvement plan for themselves this year. You know, I, I think that to me would be a serious conversation, right? Mm -hmm. You, you, I wouldn't want this person managing my multi-million dollar asset if they really weren't willing to invest in themselves and and be looking outside and be trying to develop themselves. So, so I, I think being serious about investing in yourselves, um, you know, so what what our criteria is is we say one month's salary a year. Right. If, if you're not actually paying yourself, then, mm -hmm. then it's what you should be paying yourself, right? If you were going to hire somebody to do the work that you're doing. So one month's salary a year invested in professional improvement. And I think there's some other caveats on that. Mm -hmm. Number one, it, it needs to be significant. Um, you know, an hour here, two hours there doesn't cut it, right? I, I think to me, this is something that gets you away from the ranch for multiple days in a row. And it really gives you the time to be reflective, to think strategically. Um, so, you know, challenging every member of the team to identify something that's going to help them be a better contributor to the business every year, and then to support them in doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that's going to be some of the, the best money spent on the ranch. You bet. Yeah, you, you almost can't afford not to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the way I think you really have to look at it. You can't afford not to, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
Well, I should have had well, you. I should have had you go last with your item with that one because that that would have been a great one to end on. Because my my last item's going to sound kind of dinky and compared to that, that was pretty. That was pretty big deal right there. I thought, but and and I and you're going to kind of probably laugh when I say this. And this is in no particular order. I just I'm just going to throw this one as my last item because it's something that um, uh, has I guess people has drawn a lot of attention to what I do up here, and that is a drone. What do you think about that? A drone? You know, it it made my list. Did it? Sat down here and started, it did. It's uh, if I'm gonna, we, we've got a ranch we lease that's in the mountains up here west of us, and and it's in pretty rough country. And if I go up there and I forget to pack my drone, I am handicapped. Yeah, uh, I I know what you mean. I I love it. You know, it was something that I I bought three years ago, three or four years ago was my first drone that I bought, and I still run the same ones. I run a, a Phantom Four drone and um i'll tell you i i just feel like you know back like when i talk about if you know when i lost my good dog a few years ago and had to go through a couple of years of training up another good one um man you just feel like your right arm's cut off and uh and again it's not something that's i'm not saying this is everybody has to do this deal if you're you know i realize there's some different topography that can work better and and not as well for drones but for me i mean just for example you know uh, a couple of days ago we were pulling bulls out of our our heifers and i wanted to go check to see if we had them all and i just before we uh, got on horseback to go out and pull the bulls i just threw the drone up and went out about 12,000 feet you know you know so i was a little over two and a half mi- or about two and a half miles out there checking pasture just seeing you know do we need to ride all the way out there and so to me a drone is from a for me as a fairly uh low labor uh operation is something that i found to be extremely useful in keeping my labor costs down as i tell everybody it's the best employee i got yeah <laughs> good oh, so, so okay just a, a question of interest um how, how many drones have you gone through in the <laughs> four years or whatever you've been using them oh i've probably gone through at least 10 oh man yeah <laughs> but but i and i and i want to i i know this is one of the big cautions with folks when they look at these drones because i mean this the one that i run i mean the whole package itself is going to be 1800 to 2000 dollars by the time you get the batteries and everything like that and there's a lot of people are just scared to death of putting something like that up in the air um i will tell you these you know the drones as you well know these these higher end ones are way easier to fly than the little ones you get your kids at christmas by far and there is an insurance plan on them so as far as how many i've had to pay for out of that maybe three okay (laughs) that that makes it a little easier yeah Yeah. i also i also bought the insurance yeah and uh, I, because I had the insurance, I never wrecked it. So yeah, yeah, exactly. If you didn't, well, and that's when I, the one I did have to buy was was one I thought I had insurance on it, and I was bringing it back in on a very very low battery, uh, being very chancy that I shouldn't have done, and it just fell out of the sky. That was my own fault, and I uh, thought I had insurance on it and didn't, and so I had to buy a new one. But but really, the insurance plans that are out there, I've actually been able to replace a lot of these without a single dime because they have found either a a manufacturer flaw or something like that and they just replace it for free nothing no questions asked other than just a you know you turn in your ticket and they replace it send you a new one back so i would so to me a drone is uh an absolute uh, in fact i used to have two but there's one actually up in the up in a lake in the bighorns right now so 
<laughs> nice. Well, I'm sure there's people out there in ranch world rolling their eyes at you and I right now, Justin, because they're they're picturing us uh, ranching inside the house in our pajamas, <laughs> flying our drone, checking our cattle, looking at our remote cameras on our portable water systems. Uh, you know, so obviously this stuff isn't for everybody, but I I think there's a nice balance, right? It, yeah. It doesn't yeah. make sense to spend half a day bouncing a pickup on you know 30 miles of dirt road when when a guy could bring up a camera and say, yep, that water's on and mm-hmm. or if you got a you know a rough rough canyon two draws over to go run your drone up and down that and save three hours of riding yeah, time yeah yeah i'm i you know this it's about just being smart with your time and your and and what you're doing here and i think that was really where a lot of this was coming from here today with all of our stuff so um we're about to out of time here dallas so we better keep moving but i do want to thank you for joining us here uh, like I said, we should have ended with your fifth item there. That was a good way to end, and I appreciate you taking the time to join us here and give us your insight on on the these five things that you would recommend for ranches uh, and ranchers to be considering in their quest and in their effort to be profitable. Yeah, well, thanks for the invitation, Justin. It was fun to fun to have the discussion today. And uh, might also mention you are going to be a speaker at the Working Ranch Expo. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, we're going to be up there for those uh, several days there. Uh, looking forward to meeting everybody that's going to be there in Vegas. And uh, we'll, I'll be on the program giving a talk or two, I hope. And uh, we'll look forward to having people stop by the booth and visit about uh, what we do and see if we can be a good fit with your operation. All right. Dallas Mountain has been my guest today here on the Working Ranch Radio Show, CEO for Ranch Management Consultants. Also, uh, if you're not familiar with that name or what that means, well, have you heard of Ranching for Profit Schools? Well, that is who runs those schools, is Ranch Management Consultants, and Dallas Mount is the owner and CEO of that organization. And so if you'd like to find out more information about that, you can go to their website at ranchmanagement.com. Again, the website is ranchmanagement.com. Well, our featured interview today has been brought to you by Biozyme. Keep them on your program with ours. Gain smart by Biozyme. Well, stay with us when we come back. Meteorologist Don Day joins us with a look at our long-term weather. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Ranching has been in the Hardgrove family for generations, and they know the value of keeping a ranch in the family. Hardgrove Ranch Insurance provides pasture, range, and forage insurance to ranchers across the nation. PRF Insurance is a USDA-subsidized program that allows ranchers to insure against the risk of below-average rainfall. Hardgrove Ranch Insurance utilizes industry-leading custom software to provide the rancher with information they need to stay up-to-date and educated on their policy throughout the year. Hargrove Ranch Insurance supports ranchers for this generation, the next, and those yet to come. Contact Hargrove Ranch Insurance at 325-573-8975 for a free custom quote or online at hargroveinsurance.com. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM, as we turn now towards our weather segment today, brought to you by Hargrove Ranch Insurance, providing pasture range and forage insurance to ranchers across the nation. Contact Hargrove Ranch Insurance at 325-573-8975 for a free custom quote, or check them out online at hargroveinsurance.com. Well, joining us now is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our weather. And Don, uh, things are starting to come together for you all of, of watching some some uh, historical weather patterns, I guess, for lack of better words, that are indicating that 
we could actually see a colder than average winter in the winter months of, say, December, January, February. And a lot of it has to do with solar activity and coming out of La Nina. And I wanted you to explain that a little bit and give us kind of the heads up of what you guys are following. Yeah, we um, go back and we always look at what the historical trends have been, especially when we look at La Nina and we, when we look at solar activity. And one thing that is uh, interesting as we go into the fall and winter season, we are looking at several things lining up, which historically has led to some cold weather for not all, but some parts of North America as we get into that December, January, February timeframe. A lot of folks consider those three months to be the heart of winter. And so you always want to take a look at what temperatures and conditions might be like. And based on the fact that we are looking at La Nina restrengthening out in the Pacific Ocean, those sea surface temperatures are getting colder. And the fact that uh, we are looking at a recent solar minimum, we're no longer in it. Um, but it does look like when we go back and look historically, and you know, we've always been talking about, we've talked a lot in podcasts recently about 2011 and 2012. Mm-hmm. Well, if we go back and look at that year, we did see that December, January, and February from the Northern Plains all across Canada and into the Midwest and parts of the Rockies um, experienced some pretty cold winter weather conditions during that three-month time frame. And we're starting to see that not only with our historical precedents, Justin, but some of our computer modeling is hinting that December, January, and February from the east slopes of the Rockies to the Great Lakes may end up being a three-month period of colder than normal temperatures. Mm -hmm. I know we've talked about this before. Is there any indication, is there going to be a volume of snow that comes with that, or what do we know for precip? Well, most of the time, if you have colder than normal temperatures, that sometimes leads to above normal precipitation. But one thing that you always have to look at is that December and January traditionally aren't very moist months. You you don't have as much water to work with during those two months. Um, We would certainly expect snow Mm -hmm. and we would certainly expect the possibility of above average snowfall. However, I'm more focused on the temperatures as as compared to maybe what the precipitation will be because that's the signal we're seeing now is the cold. Mm -hmm. Snow will certainly come along with it. And those months... December and January, especially, Justin, with that low sun angle, yeah, whatever snow you do get is going to stay. It'll be there till spring. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, appreciate the heads up on that as we look at that. And I know uh, for a lot of folks, we're wanting the precip, uh, hoping to get that in the spring of the year for sure. But uh, I think that gives us a good indication of what we can be looking at as we look at down the road. So thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks, Justin. That's meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather for his daily video podcast. Go to his website at dayweather.com. Our weather today has been brought to you by Hargrove Ranch Insurance, providing pasture range and forage insurance for a free custom quote. Check them out. Go online at hargroveinsurance.com. Other sponsors of today's program include the American Simmental Association, Biozyme, and Performance Beef.
The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. If you'd like to get a hold of me, send me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Well, thanks again for joining us here today. You'll find us right here every Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147 or on your podcast provider. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your head down and your mind in the middle. So long.